Good morning again. Welcome. We are so grateful that you're here today. I know that we've got some folks who are traveling. It is holiday weekend. We are glad that you're here today. We hope and pray that our time together will be beneficial to you as we praise God together. We are thankful for those of you who are visiting. As always, we invite you to come back. We are grateful for the number of visitors who come our way each and every way, each and every week. And we want you to know how much we appreciate you coming our way. If you're looking for a church home, please consider the work here. We would love to have you come and be a part of our church family. We have a lot of good people trying to serve the Lord, and we would love to have you come and be a part of our work together as we try to make the gospel known, not just in this community, but around the world. I want to invite you to turn with me today to 2 Timothy. Ben read a moment ago, 2 Timothy chapter 4, some excerpts. We're going to be looking specifically at chapters 3 and 4 as we think about the subject today, trusting God. Trusting God is imperative as we live the Christian life. Many years ago, Solomon said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Paul was a man of great faith. Matter of fact, Paul would say, I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and you consider the fact that he was a man who made a radical change in his life. An individual who was steeped in Judaism, sought to the best of his ability to destroy the church of God. However, once converted to Christ, became a tremendous proclaimer of the gospel. So today I want to think for just a moment or two about the importance of learning to trust God. I want to talk for a minute or two, first of all, about the reality of trials in life. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4, Paul talks about the reality of the trials that he faced in this life. And there's some things that maybe we would do well to consider in our study together. And I want to begin by saying that we need to trust God when we are submerged in suffering. Now back in chapter 3, Paul's going to talk about how the apostle or rather, how Timothy, his son in the faith, was well aware of his doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. Verse 11, he said, Timothy was also mindful of his persecutions, afflictions, which happened to him at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, he said, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul is said to have traveled some 12,000 miles in his missionary endeavors. Paul didn't have the luxury of taking a jet plane to another city. Didn't have the opportunity to ride in a comfortable automobile as we do. Paul spent a lot of time, either by ship or on foot, making his way from city to city, 
sharing the gospel of Christ, didn't he? When you read the book of Acts, you'll find that Paul faced any number of afflictions and adversities for the cause of Christ. He mentions three cities specifically, Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. It was in Lystra that Paul, as you well know, was stoned. When he recounted to the church at Corinth the many trials and tribulations that he faced in this life, you remember he talked about how three times he had been stoned. 195 stripes had been laid upon his back. He said that he had served the Lord in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in cold and nakedness. I mean, you think about here's a guy that suffered immensely for the cause that he was striving to the best of his ability to advance. And yet he maintained his trust in Almighty God. Now, is it not the case that in this life we face, as Paul did, trials and tribulations? Are we not, as Paul sometimes, subjected to suffering in this life? Didn't Joe Bright many years ago, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble? And yet, we must learn to persevere. We must learn to maintain trust in Almighty God. Think about Job, for example. Job didn't necessarily suffer for his faith, as Paul did, in the sense that he was persecuted, even though he had three, three friends that erroneously concluded why he was facing all the difficulties of his life. But Job said in chapter 13, verse 15, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Learning to trust God when we, as Paul, are submerged in suffering. Trials and tribulations will sometimes reflect what our faith is made of. You remember the apostle Peter talked about those saints in the first century, and he said that the trying of your faith, being more precious than gold, though it might be tried like fire. In the first century, many Christians were subjected to endless trials and tribulations, persecutions, and yet their faith in Almighty God was unwavering. So we got to learn to trust God when we, as Paul, are submerged in suffering. There's a second thought. We must trust God when threatened with transition. Now turn over to chapter 4. In chapter 4, verse 6, Paul's going to talk about the fact that death is now imminent for him. Now we understand that death is inevitable. The Hebrew writer said, It is appointed unto man once to die, after this comes the judgment. We're here today, gone tomorrow. In, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, at verse 6, listen to Paul. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And then note this, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul is ultimately going to lose his life at the hands of Nero Caesar. Historians indicate that the Apostle Paul was beheaded. And yet, all of us will one day walk the corridor of death, won't we? Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about the sting of death. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to conduct a funeral service for Troy Black. Brother Black lived to be 94 years of age. Two years ago, this past October, I conducted his wife Ruby's funeral. 
They were married for 73 years together, almost 74 years. And you think about every day on planet Earth, people are coming and going, aren't they? People are being born into this world, and people are exiting this world via death. Paul recognized, look, death is imminent. So when we talk about the importance of trusting God, there will come a day, whether we like it or not, that we too will face this transitionary period in life, won't we? We're going to leave this world and step out into the next world. Again, think about what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I alluded a moment ago to 1 Peter chapter 1, where Peter talked about the trying of their faith. To those who remain faithful to God, Peter would say in verse 9 of chapter 1, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If you don't have something beyond this life, then in all essence, you have nothing, do you? I remember reading a story, and I was thinking about that, this story this morning, of a billionaire, a man whose name, well-known in the world in which we live, passed away about a year ago. This man, I think, at a commencement ceremony on one occasion, told the students, the student body, the graduating class, he said, I would give everything I own to sit where you sit right now. He understood his time on planet earth was short. Now Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You think about if you have everything the world has to offer, but you don't have God in your life, what do you really have? Paul had the Lord, and because of the Lord, he could have trust, he could have faith that even in that time of transition, even though threatened by transition, all was well. There's a third thought. We must trust God when we are submerged in suffering, when we are threatened by transition, and number three, trust God when forsaken by friends. To me, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, one of the more disappointing verses in the writings of Paul. Listen to what he said. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now, about six years earlier, when Paul wrote to a fellow by the name of Philemon, he mentioned Demas, identifying him as a fellow laborer. Imagine that. Here was a guy that stood side by side, shoulder to shoulder with the Apostle Paul, seeking to the best of his ability to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. And yet, according to Paul, he became a casualty to the world. I wonder how many people have gone back into the world who at one time had embraced the Lord. You know, John talks about the love of the world. And he identifies the world as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And he said, the world is passing away and the lust of it. Demas went back into the world abdicating his faith in God. 
To me, one of the great disappointments, no doubt, in the life of Paul. Many of us have known people who at one time were faithful members of the body of Christ, regular in their study of God's Word, regular in their attendance to worship. But today the question is, where are they? Back in the world. You remember Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2 talked about those who had escaped the corruptions that are in the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he said they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse than the beginning. And then listen to this. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it and turned from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Paul, forsaken by a fellow comrade in the body of Christ. So I think about Demas on the one hand, and then drop down and note, if you would, beginning in verse 16. Paul writes, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Now, some would speculate that this had to do with some type of preliminary trial that Paul was experiencing or had experienced. For whatever reasons, maybe the fear of persecution, the possibility of some type of punishment, Individuals who had at one time identified themselves as friends of Paul forsooking. Listen again. At my first defense, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. Can you imagine facing tough times in your life and people saying, come what may, thick or thin, I'll stand by you. And then, Tough times come, and what happens? You look around, and no one is there to stand by you. No friends to help shoulder the load. No one to encourage. No one to say, I'm praying for you. Paul's all alone. So I think about learning to trust God, even when we are forsaken by friends. Then there is a fourth thought here. Trust God when we are dismayed by darkness. Now back up and note, if you would, beginning in verse 14. Paul speaks of a man by the name of Alexander. By trade, he is a coppersmith. And Paul said, he did me much harm. Some translations may say, he did me much evil. May the Lord repay him according to his works. He said, you also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. I'm not sure who Alexander was. Now the Bible does talk about Alexander in the book of Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul talks about Alexander and Philetus who had erred concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection had already passed. And Paul said, or rather that's Hymenaeus and Alexander. They were teaching that the resurrection had already passed. And Paul said they overthrow the faith of some. Whether, whatever the case, 
This man had become a thorn in the side of the Apostle Paul. In effect, he had gutted him, done him much harm. Are there not times in life when we are dismayed by the darkness of people that seem intent on destroying us and undermining us? You remember David in Psalm 55? David talked about someone who was very close to him, an ally. And David said, in effect, in effect that this one that had, that had been so close, one of whom he said, we took sweet counsel together, and turned his back on him. He said his words were like butter. War was in his heart. Dismayed by darkness. There are times in life when there are people who will turn on us, sometimes because of our faith, because of our stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see. We talk about the reality of trial. But what about the reminder in times of trial? When you and I face difficulties in life, and listen, we live in a world subjected to trial and tribulation, temptation. Life is, all, is not always smooth sailing. So when we face difficult times, as did Paul, the question is, how will we react? I said a moment ago, our faith says something about who we are, right? How we react in times of trial will say something about our relationship to God. Again, going back to Job and the long ago. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Paul had tremendous faith in Almighty God. And I have no doubt that's what got him through day by day. So, what are some things that we ought to be reminded about in times of trial? Number one. We need to remember the presence of God. Listen again to what Paul said. I want you to go back and look at verse 16 again. Paul said, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May I be charged against them. Now, verse 17. Paul said, But the Lord stood with me. Let me tell you what. You might not be able to count on friends and family members in rough times. It might be the case that there are people in this, in this life that will tell you, no matter what you face, I will stand by you. And then push comes to shove and they're nowhere to be found. But you can trust in God, can't you? Listen again to what Paul said. All men forsook me, but the Lord stood with me. Listen, if you would, to the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 13. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. You remember David back in Psalm 56? David in the long ago said, this I know, God is for me. I think about David, I think about Paul and some of the other great saints of Almighty God. And they understood something about the presence of the Lord in their lives. We sing the song, don't we? Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Do we believe it? Do we believe in the abiding presence of the Lord? 
You know, in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 139, the psalmist talks about the omniscience of God, the fact that God is all-knowing. He said, there's not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, he said, you know it all together. And then he talks about the omniscience of God, or rather, the omnipresence of God. In, in short, he's saying, look, there is nowhere I can go to escape the presence of God in my life. Go back to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua assuming the role of leader among the children of Israel. He is entrusted with the responsibility of leading God's people into the promised land. And God said to him in the long ago, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He would go on to say, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So here's the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. And Paul has been forsaken by friends. And yet, Paul had the presence of mind to say, the Lord stood with me. And I want to assure us today that just as God stood with Paul, He will stand with us. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the presence of God in your life? There's a second thing. Not only are we to remember the presence of God, but the power of God. Note what Paul said. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me, that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul here saying, look, not only did God stand by me, but God strengthened me. Didn't Paul write over in Philippians chapter 4? Didn't he say in about verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, listen to him, who strengthens me. Paul understood something about the strength that we derive from the Lord. Now, in this context, one of the things that Paul's going to request from Timothy, the parchments. I can just imagine the Apostle Paul pouring over the Scriptures in prison. You remember back in chapter 2, Paul said he suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But he said, the Word of God is not chained. And Paul here is saying, look, God stood with me, God strengthened me, so that the Gentiles might hear. God made it possible for the Apostle Paul to continue preaching and teaching and writing and sharing His Word, didn't he? So you think about your life, and you think about the struggles and trials and difficulties you face from day to day, and to understand that we can trust God. Why? Because, number one, of His presence. Number two, because of His power. Can I draw strength in looking back and reading and reflecting on the life of the Apostle Paul? Someone who faced adversity and trial and difficulty, and yet whose faith was unwavering in God. The answer is yes. Can I claim what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. One of the great resources we have. When we talk about the presence of God and the power of God, 
How about the privilege of prayer? You think Paul relied on prayer in his life? You remember in Colossians chapter 4, again, one of the prison epistles, some six years earlier, Paul, in writing to the saints there, said, Continue steadfastly, watching therein with thanksgiving. And then he said, Praying also for us. Paul knew something about the power of prayer and the privilege of prayer, didn't he? How often do you think Paul spent time praying to God in prison? You remember back in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were beaten? Their feet were fastened in stocks. The Bible says at midnight, those two saints were doing what? Praying and singing praise to God. So, those of us who belong to the family of God, We have the rich resources of prayer daily in our lives. Paul said, pray without ceasing to know that we have the ear of Jehovah God. Here's what Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open unto their prayers. James said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what he's saying? He is saying there is power in prayer. The Hebrew writer said, Let us therefore draw boldly under the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Were there times of need in the life of the Apostle Paul? You bet there were. Are there times in life when we too are faced with tremendous needs? Sure. Remember, the presence of God, the power of God, to plug in to go before His throne in prayer. Really, if you read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, when he talks about drawing boldly under the throne of grace, the idea is that we can go before the throne of God and we can, in a reverential way, speak of the things that are on our mind. In other words, uninhibited, boldly. There's a third thought, and that is to remember that we can be preserved by the Lord. Look at verse 18, if you would. In verse 18, Paul said, The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, Paul has just written, back in verse 6, the time of his departure was at hand. In other words, Paul knew, look, death's imminent. I'm not going to make it out of this world alive. I understand death's coming. And so he's not talking about the preservation of his human life. But you remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, we're not to fear those who can destroy the body. Caesar had the ability and the power to destroy the body of Paul, didn't he? but he didn't have the power to touch his soul. Jesus said, we're not to fear those who destroy the body, who have that power. But we are to fear those who have the power to destroy both soul and body in hell and Gehenna. Paul is saying here, look, the Lord has the ability to preserve my soul for His heavenly kingdom, which really ties in to the promises of God. Go back and look again at verse 6. 
Paul said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Time of my departure is at hand. He said, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, or finally, he said, there is later for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do you think the Apostle Paul believed in the promises of heaven? Yes or no? Yes, he did. I think about back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 when Paul said, look, we don't look at life through temporal lens. He said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen, he said, are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. If you make the transition into chapter 5, Paul said, for we know that if this earthly house, this tent, this tabernacle, that is my human body, if this human body gives way to death, he said, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. Where? Eternal in the heavens. Did Paul believe in the promises of heaven? Yes, he did. Didn't Jesus say to the, to the apostles prior to departing, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let me tell you what I like about Paul. No wavering here. No wondering. No hope so, think so, maybe so. No, Paul said, for we know. How do you know, how do you know that, Paul, by revelation? How do we know about the promises of God? How do we know anything about heaven? The Word of God. I was talking to a brother this morning on the telephone. And I was telling him about lying in bed last night, early morning. And for whatever reason, I was hurting. And I thought, I thought about what John wrote in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. When John said, neither will there be any more pain. Paul experienced a lot of pain and a lot of heartache in this life, didn't he? But Paul said, listen, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To depart and be with Christ, far better. Why? Well, number one, to be in the presence of God. But secondly, to enjoy the blessings of rest, to be freed from the trappings of this world, from the trials and tribulations and temptations that daily beset us. Listen to the psalmist. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Yesterday, I mentioned conducting a funeral for Troy Black. One of the things that I noticed on their tombstone, etched in a concrete slab, Lord, we're coming home. You know, for the child of God, for Paul, when Paul lost his life at the hands of Nero Caesar, in the presence of God, didn't Paul say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? Paul believed in the promises of God. Let me tell you what, 
you're not going to be here forever. And to those who think there's something in this world, I would encourage, take a walk through the cemetery. And you'll see a lot of the folks that have preceded us, some famous, some wealthy, some multi-talented, but they're in eternity. And that's where we're headed. And so the Apostle Paul saying, look, you can trust God. Can you trust Him? Yes. Trust God. And remember, when you face difficulties in life, remember, remember the presence of God, the power of God, the preservation of God, and the promises of God. Also, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. To all who have lived godly in Christ Jesus, the promise is a crown of life, isn't it? Didn't Jesus say in Revelation chapter 2 at verse 10, be faithful unto death, that is, in the face of death. Paul, were you faithful to God in the very face of death? Yes, sir. We have hope, don't we? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a child of God to understand that you're going to leave this world. You don't want to leave this world outside of Christ Jesus. The Hebrew writer said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. What he's saying is, it is a thing fearful beyond belief to step outside this world, outside of God. You don't want to do that. Paul said, you're without hope, without God. The difference maker, however, Christ Jesus. Because Paul said in Ephesians 2, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you that once were far off, brought near by the blood of Christ. Are you a Christian? Have you been baptized into Jesus Christ? Do you believe He's the Son of God? Would you be willing to repent of your sins, as Peter announced on Pentecost Day? To be baptized so your sins can be washed away, let God put you in the church. The saved are in the church, Ephesians 5.23. And then the exhortation, be faithful, be steadfast. Listen to Paul. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why, Paul? Inasmuch as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Is it worth serving God, come what may? Yes, it is. If you're here today and you're not faithful to His cause, maybe the trials and the tribulations of this life have caused you to lose sight of what's important. Maybe you're not living as you should. Won't you come back to God who will abundantly pardon, 1 John 1, 9, as we stand and sing.